What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. My name is Jacob Cooker, but my friends call me Cub, and you should too. Every day on the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, we discuss faith, spirituality, and the realms of paranormal, specifically through the lens of the supernatural. And I do that by exploring ancient myths, lores, and legends every single day. I'm obsessed with that, and if you are too, you are in the right place. Today I've got a fascinating episode for you. You don't want to miss it. Today's episode is The Dark Secret Plan of the Gods, and Are They Limiting Human Potential? This is episode number 315. Like I said, you don't want to miss it today. So, uh, what is up, Female King? How are you doing? I hope you're having a beautiful day. Uh, we've got people joining on TikTok. We're live on Instagram. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, aka X. Uh, so we've got a lot of different streams of data coming at me today, but I am going to be answering questions, comments, prayer concerns. Whatever you guys have, um, I'm here to answer it today. So we do have some goals that we need to meet so that I can continue to go live every single day. I normally go live for about 90 minutes a day. And so I'm feeling the music today. Um, let's see, what do we want to do as far as our gifts go? Um, there's a TikTok universe. Um, I want to try to make this where we have the same amount of stars goal. So I'm going to go down here to the TikTok music thing. Um, there we go. And I'm going to set my goal at, let's just do a thousand today. A thousand, that should be easy to get to, hopefully. So I'm going to confirm it. There we go. And then pin it. All right, it's pinned. There we go. Okay, cool. Exciting, exciting stuff. Um, so I'm going to be reading today from the Epic of Atrahasis, which I have been before. Uh, I'm going to read directly from the Great Flood Myth within the Epic of Atrahasis um, uh, in Bible. And I'm also going to read it from the uh, biblical canon as well. The Genesis flood narrative, as it were. Uh, Genesis 6, 9, Noah and the flood. And uh, we're going to look at what this looks like. I'm going to show you guys the King James version here. Um I want to give a disclaimer that if you're new to my channel, um, this is not this is not a religious channel. So I'm not here to agree or disagree or debate religion with anybody. I respect your religious tradition. I respect your belief systems. I'm not here to mess with that whatsoever. What I'm here to do is authentically explore in light of the myths and legends and try to take a good hard look at uh, what the text actually says. And then you guys decide what you think you believe beyond that. So Missy, how are you doing, my friend? Frank, what is up, brother? Hope you're having a beautiful day. Um, let's see, Banana joined. That is awesome. Astro, welcome. Bam G, happy to be. How are you doing, David Pike? Thanks for joining, my friend. Martin says, higher consciousness is Lord and King. Amen, my friend. Amen. You know, you know I vibe with that, man. Dana, how are you doing? 
Chase the Beebs, welcome over on Instagram. Um, so you guys drop in the comments um, what you want to talk about today. But again, I'm, I'm basing today around the whole flood myth. What do you guys think? Did it actually happen? Um, you know, what, what's, what's the deal with the whole flood myth? We're going to look at something called the Younger Dryas and uh, look at what that is, what that might mean. Um, so just here we go, you know, with kind of the scientific data on it. I'm not a scientist, but just reading from Rick, Wikipedia, if you get into the Younger Dryas, Y-O-U-N-G-E-R-D-R-Y-A-S, um, the Younger Dryas, which occurred circa 12900 to 11700 BP, years BP, before present, also known as time before present or years before present, um, which is a time scale used mainly in archaeology, geology, and scientific disciplines to specify when events occurred relative to the origin of practical radiocarbon dating in the 1950s. Interesting. I've never heard of that. I just, you know, we learn new stuff every day. You should be learning new stuff every day. We should be learning new stuff every day. And I love learning new stuff every day. So, uh, the return to glacial conditions, which temporarily reversed the gradual climates uh, warming after the last glacial maximum, which lasted from 27,000 to 20,000 years BP. And again, BP being B, uh, before the present. Um, so this isn't like AD or BC or BCE or CE. Um, so the Younger Dryas was the last stage of the uh, Pleisto Pleistocene, which is a geological epoch that lasted um, around circa 2.58 million to 11,700 years ago, spanning the Earth's most recent period. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba, where did it go? Re recent period of repeated uh, glaciations. Glaciations. So uh, this is an epoch. Um, Spans about, uh, well, quite quite some time here. Uh, moving into the warmer Holocene epoch. The Holocene is the current geological epoch. So that's where we currently reside. So the Younger Dryas was the most severe and longest lasting of several interruptions to the warming of Earth's climate. And it was preceded by a late glacial uh, interstadial, which is a boiling... Um, Alloroid interstadial, it represents the first pronounced warming since the end of the last glacial maximum. Um, da, 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 da. The change was relatively sudden and took place over decades and resulted in a decline in temperatures uh, in Greenland and advances of glaciers and drier conditions over much uh, temperature in the northern hemisphere. A number of theories have been put forward about the cause and the hypothesis. Historically, most supported by scientists is the Atlantic uh, meridional overturning circulation, which transports warmer water from the equator towards the North Pole. Um, so this is generally, um, if you look at like Graham Hancock's work, um, this is generally when an alleged flood may have happened. Um, and there's a lot of different, you know, thoughts on this, uh, sea levels here. You can go read, you know, more through this. Uh, they have 
ideas on what caused this, all kinds of different things. So um, some people will cite this as, you know, an actual flood. But again, if you dig into the data, this is talking about uh, a major shift in weather patterns on our planet here. So um, with that, you know, all kinds of different uh, phenomenon happening, of course, right here, it's talking about snow accumulation, uh, rapid transitions. So <clears throat> that's where I wanted to show you guys a little bit of the scientific data just before we even talk about a global flood event. Um, and whether or not you think there's evidence of that is totally up to you. I'm not here to tell you one way or another, because again, I'm not a scientist, but um, I do find it interesting that, you know, I find seashells um, at my local canyon here and we're nowhere near water, nowhere near the ocean. So for me, I do have to believe that there were, you know, ocean areas. I think uh, the area I live in, in West Texas, the Great Plains had to be largely underwater at some point. So Heather says, Eridugenesis is fascinating. Absolutely. Have I read the Sumerian cuneiform tablets? Absolutely. That's actually what we're going through here. We're about to read from uh, the Epic of Atrahasis, which is uh, one of the works collected in that. We've read uh, a lot of uh, the Enuma Elish, the Seven Tablets of Creation. What's up, Dreamstar Oracle? Um, and by the way, I hope everything looks good today and sounds good. I'm back on TikTok on my iPad, so I don't have to squint because I know um, when I had it bigger like this, I could communicate with you guys better, and I wanted to focus more on our TikTok community as well as our Facebook and YouTube community. Um, so I, you guys are just as important and now I've got you side by side. Um, and I just wanted you to know that. So, uh, we're back in the game. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, my deconstructing family, Heather says, absolutely. Um, I'm here for all of it. Chills. Frank says, thank you, brother. Uh, by the way, wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to Frank Lee DeVoice. Um, you can go check him out. Um, on TikTok, and he's going to be collaborating with me, um, I believe Monday, I think is what we decided, Monday um, next week. And uh, we're going to be talking about some really cool stuff, specifically mysticism, specifically alien technology or physical three-dimensional technology versus uh, spiritual technology, things that like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna would have uh, talked about. So th those different types of metaphysical practices. So be sure and check out Frank's channel. He's a brother that I really vibe with, and he is uh, making a go of this full-time content creator mission here uh, to share love and light with all and explore the opinions and ideas that we all have together. So I love that. Missy says, so exciting. hope I can catch that collab. Yes, me too. Uh, had a great conversation with Frank today. Really, really looking forward to that. So thank you guys for your support. Uh, Dreamstar Oracle says, TikTok sounds loud and clear. Awesome. Good to hear. Um, Dale, what is up uh, from England? How are you, my friend? I hope you're having a beautiful day. Uh, Martin Hayden, what's up, brother? Martin says, biblically, water often represents consciousness. Did the earth receive perhaps a flood of consciousness, metaphysically speaking? Oh, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Um, Lester said, uh, the 23rd is approaching. I uh, know it's tomorrow's the 22nd guys. I'm telling you, and don't forget my sale, um, on our mythos membership does end 
on the 23rd. So if you want in at that low price of $7 or the $27 for the upgraded membership, do it now because no amount of begging will make me uh, go change the price again. So if you want in at that low price, if you've been telling me, hey, I'm going to join when dot, 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 you better do it now because I do have to go up on that to, you know, support what I'm doing here. Um, so I really appreciate it. Grab it now. You can scan the QR code or hit up cubcooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. You can click on my profile picture, look in the description. It's it's all in my, my bio, right? Um, you hear everybody say that. So that's actually where it is. You can go find it over there. It'll take you right there. Super easy to sign up. Um, and we do have one click, uh, sign up right now. One click to join, cancel anytime, easy mode guys. So, um, all right, let's see. Seems the U S government does all the same things. I mean, just saying, uh, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, there's archetypes we're going to talk about today. No conspiracy theories whatsoever here. Um, just love and light, but there are some interesting archetypes we're going to look at. So uh kenny mile what's up brother kenny says i was watching ancient aliens while waiting for your live great show man great show thank you um for even including me um with ancient aliens in a sentence that is awesome thank you thank you very much uh yes absolutely ashley the end of cubs new member generous discount is nigh that's exactly right ashley said it uh, everybody's been wondering what's going to happen on the 23rd. That's that's the big thing, guys, that my discount is ending. Um, and that is because we are starting a new program with our current members where I am opening up affiliate uh, links for select people who've been a part of our program for a long time. Um, and in order to do that, we have to build in profitability for everyone. So that's a big reason why you definitely definitely want to get in now like literally you have uh, what 48 hours right now to join my mythos community if you're interested whatsoever this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. J.A. Vargas, what is up, my friend? How are you doing, brother? So, um, yeah, I've got a pretty interesting episode planned today. And this is all, again, my opinion. And I just want to start by reading the very last line that I put in every description. A description is that my content is for entertainment purposes only and not medical, financial, scientific, or legal advice. Opinions are that of myself, the creator alone. Links offered may pay me as a creator a commission. Materials referenced and quoted are used under the protection of fair use laws or public domain use. Always do your own research in regards to any theory. Please show respect to all races, religions, orientations, identities, and cultures. It's one of the most important things I talk about, guys. Um, and I say that every single week um, and, and try to say it every day now because it's just super important to me. This is... Uh, I'm not here to spurn conspiracy theories. I'm not here to tell you I know what's going on, okay? I'm just here to explore my own creative ideas around this. And you decide what you believe, so. 
Uh, what is up, Shelly? Shelly says, good day, Mythos family. What is up, my friend? How are you, Shelly? So the text today, we're going to read from Epic of Atrahasis. In the Epic of Atrahasis, uh, I'm going to share an ex excerpt today uh, that is from the Epic of Atrahasis. It's a Mesopotamian myth that predates the biblical story of Noah's Ark. In this excerpt, we see that God, the gods have sent a great flood to punish humanity simply for being noisy. And the flood is so devastating that it leaves only a few survivors, including, thanks to the warning of Lord Anki, Atrahasis. The gods then find themselves hungry because there are no farmers left to provide them with sacrifices. Docs, thank you for the lightning, by the way. Um, so... That is um, yeah, pretty oddly similar to Genesis. Um, and we're gonna look at how this ties together. So in theory, according to the myth, there is a secret plan of the gods to control humanity and limit their evolution. This becomes clear by the actions of the gods. Number one is they introduce birth pains. According to the myth, the gods create birth pains, which can be seen as a means of controlling the growth of the human population. By introducing the pain and dangers of birthing offspring, the gods ensure that not all births will be successful, thus limiting population and evolutionary growth potential. Ashley, you're gonna eat this one up today. Uh, we could probably talk about this for hours. I'm excited about today because a lot of what I've been studying within these ancient mythologies, and I'm including the biblical mythologies too. Yes, mythologies, because they're coming from all of these prior mythologies and then they're adapted into the Hebrew mythology. Okay, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not saying they ripped anything off. I'm just saying that's how these things work. You have a core origin mythology coming out of Cradle of Civilization that's called the Akkadian mythologies, the Sumerian mythologies, the Babylonian mythologies are what's referred to commonly as the larger collection of Mesopotamian mythologies coming from the Fertile Crescent, the Cradle of Civilization. Um, some of these in estimate date back between um, seven to nine. Some people even say 10,000 years B.C.E. Uh, so really the first dawn of any intelligent civilization, any type of writing. These are written on what are called cuneiform clay tablets. They were stamped with a very specific style of writing that is using little pictographs to tell a story. Uh, not like a little drawing of a dog, but it's actually like they would use a paddle and a certain amount of um, little asterisks. They kind of look like asterisks if you've ever seen just an asterisk that you use to denote information in a document. That's essentially what cuneiform looks like on a larger scale. Um, and so they would stamp this clay and then bake it in an oven to uh, preserve their histories and mythologies. So um, Heather says, I'm so excited. I'm not the only one spending years learning this. Thank you for being you. You bet, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, and I appreciate you being here. And I'm glad people are into this. This is super important, by the way. Um, and just so you guys know, on TikTok, our goal today is 
thousand of these TikTok music symbols. So if you guys can find those on your gifting portal, it's only a thousand today. That should be super easy uh, to hit. A thousand of those, uh, you wouldn't believe how cheap that is. So, um, but that really does help support a thousand there. We'll we'll ensure that this live stream gets pumped out, and then my other videos that I posted today get a bunch of a boost in the algorithm, basically. So that's kind of how all this stuff works behind the scenes. Uh, and I really appreciate you guys for doing that, uh, pumping up the hearts. I want to get the likes to ten thousand, and then the TikTok uh, music. Uh, symbols to a thousand today. That really helps me. Thank you guys. How am I doing today? William says, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great today. Got a great episode. We're going to jump in right now and look at the Epic of Atrahasis. The great flood coming from the Epic of Atrahasis starts out with a broken tablet that has a missing part. And then it says the storm. And then there's another missing part. And it says we're yoked. And then it says, Anzu rent the sky with his talons. He, and then a missing part, the land. And then we jump to, and broke its clamor like a pot. We're assuming he's talking, it's talking about thunder there. You can do what's called uh, inference here and infer the meaning of something. So it's contextual inference. You can basically go, okay, this is what the document's talking about. Uh, we're going to infer that this is, you know, where it's going with it. So through inference, we assume that um, the clamor like a pot is the thunder. And then we're missing a piece. The flood came forth. Its power came upon the peoples like a battle. One person did not see another. They could not recognize each other in the catastrophe. The deluge bellowed like a bull. The wind resounded like a screaming eagle. The darkness was dense and the sun was gone. Blank like flies. The clamor of the deluge. So using inference, blank like flies, uh, I would assume it said something like the people perished like flies. Uh, something like that, you know. Um, that, you know, we again, you have to decide what you think it says there. And that's what archaeologists have to do as well as scholars when they look at this. And uh, they, they know more than I do. So I'm just looking at the document here. Uh, there's also a great note on here by the person that um, actually put this translation together. Um, and it says the gods find themselves hungry because there are no farmers left. Sacrifices are no longer brought. When they discover that Atrahasis has survived, they make a plan to make sure that the noise will remain within limits. They invent childbirth, infant mortality, and celibacy. Uh, and I reworded that a little bit again in my description um, to be birth pains, offspring mortality, and ritual celibacy. Just to be a little more clear on my interpretation of it here. Um, so this comes after Lord Enki warns Atrahasis, which we know from some of the other mythologies is a half son of, uh, Lord Enki. It's also Ziasudra, um, in another version of this. So Ziasudra, uh, would be again, the other Noah archetype from these mythologies. So now let's jump over, um, and read Genesis here and look at what, uh, Genesis says, 
And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and thy house unto the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take three by sevens, the male and his female, and the beasts um, are not clean, who are not clean, two by two, and the male and the female. So we know this from when God is telling Noah to get on the ark. But if we jump back over here to Epic of Atrahasis, we look and we see where Lord Enki comes to Atrahasis and says, and Lil committed an evil deed against the people. Atrahasis make uh, ready to speak and said to his Lord, make me known the meaning of the dream. Let me know that I may look out for its consequence. Enki made ready to speak and said to his servant, you might say, am I to be looking out while in the bedroom? Do you pay attention to the message that I speak for you? Wall, listen to me. He's talking to a wall of reeds, which is why it says that. Read wall, pay attention to my words. Flee the house, build a boat, forsake possessions and save life. The boat you will build will be equal to, and then missing a part, a roof over her like the depth, so the sun shall not get inside of her. Let her be roofed over fore and aft. The gear should be very strong. The pitch should be firm, and so to give the boat strength. I will shower down upon you later. A windfall of birds, I spate of fishes. He opened the water clock and filled it, and it told of the coming of the seven-day deluge. So we have a seven-day deluge in the Epic of Atrahasis, which does predate the biblical mythology, as I said. Um, and so we get into this, and the Lord God is telling Noah. But I'm going to go look. that We're in the King James Version here. And I'm going to go look at a slightly different uh, translation here. We're going to look at a translation called um, the World English Bible. And this one is going to actually be a lot closer to what the Hebrew words are in here. And so instead of God, it says, Yahweh said to Noah, come with all of your household into the ship, for I have seen your righteousness before me in this generation. And now remember, righteousness is perfection. And then we see over here that Enki went to his half son because he had essentially perfect in his, in his generations. He was perfect in his genes, his DNA, right? He had enough of the God's essence in him that uh, they didn't want to let him perish. Certainly Enki didn't want to let um, an offspring of his perish. So, um, so yeah, that's where we get into some really, really interesting stuff, really different archetypes that you're not going to hear this in church, right? Uh, you're not going to hear this probably even sitting in a college class because then they're not going to tie it back to the biblical canon necessarily. And so that's one of the things I try to do here is give the best of both worlds. Stephen said King James Version is junk. Yeah. And, and I agree with that because none of it in the King James Version makes sense with what the actual text says. If you look at the root words and most people that argue with me in the comments will say, no, it says God. No. Okay. Your version says God. Well, I'm reading the NIV. Well, yeah, that's pretty much translated from the King James Version. Like all of these are spurned from the same root. And so you have to actually go look at the roots to realize that none of these translations that we have 
aren't necessarily true to the text because the, the text is confusing and it has polytheism in it. It has mythology in it and it's not in order. And it's an absolute mess of a canon to put together as a narrative, which is why only the priests understand what it means, allegedly, right? Um, so again, just sharing with you, that's and that's not conspiracy theory or anything. That's just, it's just how it is, right? Uh, Ashley says, yeah, we know from the aftermath that Noah wasn't just pure and holy. Uh, he loved him some booze and partying. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you've watched the movie Noah, you know, that movie Noah got um, with, uh, was it Russell Crowe, I believe, plays him. It got a lot of heat from especially the Christian community, the Christian community. And I'm not, I'm not knocking on them whatsoever, but um, I remember seeing it at the time I was, I was within the church and even working within the church. And I thought, and hey, this is really good. Like this actually goes with the narrative. If you really read it and you understand the narrative in the book of Enoch, it's kind of an amalgamation of both. And a lot of people were hating on it. Um, and again, if you know your stuff, it makes more sense. You had these rock giants and stuff like that. And all of that is somewhere in these flood myth mythologies. And so that's where, you know, that film was pulling from a lot of these different mythologies. Uh, it wasn't trying to be uh, biblical from what I could tell whatsoever. And uh, to me, there's no reason to state biblical because the biblical understanding is an incomplete one when you add the authentic mythologies that were predating it. It's really important to understand them. So um, let's see questions here. Um, da, 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 da. Okay. Perhaps Noah spoke to two gods in Genesis six and seven, God and Yahweh. Yes, absolutely. And that is another theory behind this is that he was actually speaking to multiple gods and that had already been kind of appropriated into the Hebrew mythology and then even further into the King James translation. And um, then you end up with, you know, you're pretty far from what the original actually was at that point. Uh, the other theory is, too, that it just took directly from the ancient mythologies and appropriated it into the cultural god and that it was the cultural god. It was kind of a justification on why this happened in a way to make sure that the cultural God was the savior and the destroyer. Um, and that's, that's what we see. And I'm going to talk about this too with revelation, uh, because is this, is history repeating itself? And I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about why I personally believe that the book of revelation does not, does not fall in line with the actual Jesus of the gospel. Because literally Jesus in the gospel says, I did not come to judge the world. And then immediately the Jesus in Revelation is judging the world and says, you know, that he came to judge, right? So to me, again, you have two different voices. And you either have literal bipolar deities or you have multiple narratives and you have to look at the fruit. Where's the fruit actually from that voice? Uh, is the fruit destruction in in you know, judgment, or is the fruit shifting into a higher consciousness? And that's the major differences I see e even within the Bible itself, as well as the mythologies. So book of Daniel is a huge, huge book full of Daniel dealing with an extraterrestrial God. The book of Ezekiel, 
all kinds of extraterrestrial vibes. <clears throat> and I'm not talking little green men here, by the way. I'm talking evolved beings. I've got a picture of one of these on the screen. Looks like humans with different, um, different, more highly evolved characteristics, living a whole lot longer. Um, ability to use parts of the brain that we don't understand right now. You know, a whole different level of evolution that we have not made it to yet. Yet we sh we're destined to, I believe, if we're able to preserve and continue the authentic message of the fact that ye are gods, like we were created by the gods, therefore we can evolve like the gods. But what, what we're going to see today and what I'm, the point of today is, so we have birth pains, offspring mortality, and ritual celibacy, all three of which are control tactics from the gods to their people to make sure that creation doesn't get out of hand, make sure that it literally stays quiet on the planet, and make sure that they are continuing to be subservient to the gods rather than realizing, as in the Garden of Eden, that ye are like the gods that created you, right? Because uh, if you if you realize you're a son of a god, then that gives you the rights of that god, right? Um, if you, just like when Jesus shared the, the prodigal son, you look at the prodigal son and you look at how the Yahweh character or the Enlil character treated their people, it's not the same one. It literally isn't like you can't even argue that unless you're trying to be theologically sound and remember that theology is the study of how one God is the perfect God and that the entire Bible is the voice of that one God. And that could not be anywhere further from the truth. According to my research, my guidance, my heart, um, it doesn't mean I'm right, but I do think that more and more people are starting to see this. And this is not to step on any toes or traditions, just merely give you a different side of the coin, a different option. We should have options, right? Um, you know, at the risk of laying out a spiritual buffet, let's at least have options on the menu so we can understand it's not just A or B. There's a whole cornucopia here of different vibrations, different understandings of all of this stuff. So Teresa, what's up, my friend? How are you doing? I hope you're having a beautiful day. Molly, so glad you're here, my friend. How are you? Um, let's see. Brian had a comment I missed. In the Bible, Satan and Jesus are both referred to as the bride and morning star. Uh, and this reference to the sun made literal. Uh, or are they one and the same with two different action plans for man? Okay, so common misconception. Great question, Brian. Thank you for bringing this to my um, attention, Molly, because this is this is one of the common things that I, well, let's just say I just battle this all the time. Um, when I say Jesus is Lucifer, according to the data, according to the mythologies, I'm not calling Jesus Satan. Satan is the accuser. Lucifer is the light bringer. Two different archetypes. They are not related. They are not associated. They are not even in the same ballpark, Okay. Yet the church has told you through the Roman Catholic Church, they've literally created a character, a tulpa, a manifestation of Lucifer as this evil fallen angel that came against God. Now, if you're on the side of Yahweh, if you're a servant of Yahweh or Enlil, the one, according to the mythologies that sent the flood, that disliked what humanity was doing, be it that they were noisy, be it they were annoying, be it they were unrighteous or unruly, um, think about this, guys. If you if you run a 
uh, and I always liken humanity to dogs. Okay. And, and stay with me on this. I love dogs, but when my dog was a puppy, it tested every fatherly impulse I have in me. And I'm sure if you have real kids, you know, or, or human kids, you probably know the feeling too. You're just like, this is insane. If you have a bunch of puppies running around, it's like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? So you got to really have love for that puppy, right? So that puppy can survive, that puppy can thrive and become a well-trained, loving dog. Well, I often liken, you know, why would a God, just because things gotten unruly and you have this farm full of puppies that are loud and playing and stuff, they're just doing what's in their nature. You're the one that chose to have them. Why would you drown them all? Like, why? And why is it that my heart is a better God than the God of the Bible? And, and, and people can argue with me and say, well, you've sinned. Well, I can show you several million sins that the God of the Bible made. The God of the Old Testament specifically, but also melding into the New Testament and readopting the identity of Christ, even in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to be getting into some Revelation stuff soon that'll blow your mind. Um, I got some data last night from a good friend of mine, Sons of God Ministries, Joshua over there. Um, and some of that data has set on my mind all night, thought about it, and I've found even more connections to the work I'm doing. Uh, I have some of my own theories about it I'm gonna be sharing. But one of my biggest questions is, A, why would you drown all the puppies? And then after they grew up, why would you come through and go, okay, I only like the ones that are that look like this. I only like the ones that's, that bark a certain way or look at me a certain way. Why wouldn't you just love them all and still give them all a chance? And if you say, oh, they had a chance because you sent another puppy to, to be unalived in their place, that doesn't logically make any sense either, okay? And so I'm interested at this point in logic because literally a child should be able to understand this, Okay. If you go and tell a child you're a horrible sinner because, you know, you took a chocolate bar from your friend and that means you're going to burn for all eternity. First off, who's the sinner? The person scaring the child or the child who took the candy bar that didn't know any better because he likes candy? Because that's in the nature of the child, right? Survival is built into the three-dimensional matrix. Is it a sin or is it survival? And that's the biggest question we have here. Uh, and then you watch humanity go uncontrolled completely and survival takes over and you have humanity doing whatever they want. And then you end up with wars and different, uh, you know, all kinds of archetypes of warlords and storm gods and all these different things that we have through mythology. Frank says, brilliant. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Uh, the idea of sin is low vibration, Om says. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brian says the puppy reference is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm really trying to put this together, guys, because and so that's what I'm talking about. So if I decided, um, say I'm sitting at the right hand of the puppy master here, not the puppet master, the puppy master. And I decide to go into the field with all the puppies. And rather than be unalived for them, I just decide to start gathering the ones that will realize that they should be loved, they should be taken care of, and that they're already good enough, and they should be living in harmony with me because I'm one of the puppy masters. And I have the right to go into that field and choose the ones that choose me. 
Okay. Not because I was unalive for them, but because I love them, period. And they're good enough. And if you want to follow me, you're not going to be drowned in this field when that evil puppy master, you like that, like the puppy master, puppet master. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at. And that's what Lucifer is. So I'm Lucifer at that point. I'm bringing light to them. I'm taking them on the other side of the hill where the sun is. They can see the light and they're not going to be in the valley that's flooded out. And that puppy master, that Lord, decides that I am a fallen puppy master and it's going to judge me. And next time I see you, I swear, I'm going to put a crown of thorns on you. I'm going to stab you in the side. Even the grave won't contain you. I will send you to Sheol with the unalived puppies. See if you can take care of them then. Guys, that's the archetype of Lucifer. And in fact, that is literally the judgment in Isaiah 14 that God gives to Lucifer. You laid the nations low. You did not set the captives free. Well, because I brought a different message, okay? I didn't overthrow you physically, but I offered a different way to get to higher ground for the puppies that followed me. Do you guys get what I'm talking about here? So this guy, the storm god that decided to flood everything out and will decide to call down comets onto the earth, call down asteroids, call down fire from heaven, call down a beam of whatever from a craft. That warlord of a god is continuing to judge the bringer of light who came in peace, love, and a metaphysical message on how to build a light body and recreate a place for your soul to ascend to. And that was the whole message of Jesus. And if you don't agree with me, just go read the actual words of Jesus and take everything out around them. Read only those red letters of Jesus himself and you will it will blow your mind because you go, wait a minute. He's challenging everything else within the biblical and mythological canons. And he sounds a whole lot more like Buddha than he does the, the Jesus of Revelation or the God of the Old Testament. He's talking about finding the kingdom within you, loving and serving others. He's talking about yoking yourself to truth. He's talking about looking for the fruit, opening your third eye. And they're looking for a literal extraterrestrial kingdom of a savior, kingdom of a messiah, they're looking for their God to literally return to earth because they knew their prophets had stood before God. Whether it's the Sumerian prophets, whether it's the Hebrew prophets, whether it's modern prophets, doesn't matter. They're all looking for a physical return. Yes, exactly, Frank. He is teaching Krishna, Krishnaanity. That if you want to know what I am, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christian, Krishnaanity. Um, I vibe with Krishna because the message of Krishna is exactly the message of Jesus. This isn't real. Play your part. Do what you can not to incur karma. Love others. Burn karma. Build a light body for yourself. Ascend into the 5D. This is not real. This is not your home. How was Jesus able to tear the temple down and three days later he rebuilt it in perfection? And then he was like, don't touch me. I haven't yet ascended. 
because he hasn't ascended and received the full upgrade to be able to seamlessly travel back and forth between the realms, right? It's talking on a whole different level. Yet you still have people today in 2013 that are talking about September 23rd and the return of a physical Jesus. And the disciples back then still didn't even understand who he was. Frank, what's up, brother? Love it, man. Frank says, I feel this with four hearts. Thank you. Heather says, yep. Um, so Hari Krishna, absolutely. Um, fighting rooster says, Hey people, what's up, man? How are you doing? Um, so you aren't set free by changing hands and servitude from one God to another. It's you Ashley says exactly. Katie says goosebumps. Thank you, my friend. Um, this is what I'm vibing on guys. And this is why I say I'm not a religious channel. I, I explore the supernatural. The only thing that I believe will set any of us free is a supernatural experience of ourselves. The fact that we are truly the one, the only son of God, daughter of God. There is only one. And if we don't build our next collective and join the Christ consciousness, the Krishna consciousness, the Buddhahood, whatever you want to call it, then you're going to be stuck is a biological carcass of a battery serving physical gods with fear, finance, and faith. Thank you for the heart on the head. Love that. Christ consciousness equals oneness. Absolutely. So, um, Wall says, third eye, love it. Thank you, my friend. Molly says, many of us have figured out that Satan and Yahweh are the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because who's the accuser? Who's the accuser from the beginning? Go back to the early mythologies. And Lil was the accuser. He's sitting on his throne, on his craft, on his sky chariot. Um, that's what it's called in the mythology. Um, a celestial chariot. What is that other than a spacecraft, guys? Come on. We're smart enough at this point to start putting this together. We've been seeing movies for the last 50 years talking about this. We have books dating back hundreds of years talking about this. And before that, we have mythologies telling the same tale. And we can argue that it's all BS. Or we can stop and go, is there evidence? Do, is this the narrative that makes the most sense? And I don't care if there's evidence or not. Does it make sense? Even if none of it happened. Even if you're just plugged in in the background right now into a complete video game and nobody else is real, and this is completely a simulation, maybe this is the mythology, maybe it's the archetype you needed to figure out that you're player one. That movie, Ready Player One, there's only one player, and that player is you. And it works in Christianity, it works in... Uh, Buddhism, it works in Hinduism, it works in every tradition. If we're willing to strip back dogma and just become what we are, which is the first player. That's why Adama or Adapa or Adam, the first man, the first player was so important. And then it was split into dualism, male and female, left and right light and dark, whatever. And I'm not saying men are, you know, men and women or anything, you know, good or evil. I'm just saying the first creation on this planet was just one. It was one being that was a hybrid of the genetics of the gods and the genetics of a monkey that had evolved on this planet. 
And so if, if sin is even real, it comes from our monkey brain. And we have to stop and prove and remember that we are children of the gods and that we have birthrights and inheritance. And then remember what people like Jesus said, which was reminding us of this truth and telling us where the true reality was and how to ascend into that true reality. And if we all did that at once, this planet might literally shift into a brand new reality and you wake up and the mountain has moved. Wasn't there a mountain there before? I swear it was right there. You just jumped into a different reality. Terry says, I'm really spitballing here. Hey, welcome to the channel, brother. That's what I do. That's actually the point of this channel. To spitball, theorize, look at the supernatural. Let's talk about some theories. Because maybe, maybe the theories start to make more sense than the dogma or the narrative we've been told. And at the very least, it's a fun, creative experiment. It's a mythos we can all graft to. And at worst, so at worst, maybe it's just a creative experiment. At best, maybe it's closer to the real narrative. Maybe it's closer to what we're supposed to remember. What's up, Jeremy? How are you, brother? Hope you're having a beautiful day. Uh, yes, I did, Jeremy. Um, I've got some of the darker books on my list, actually. I've talked to Ashley about some of those. Um, so I've got The Keys of Solomon are on my list. I've got some other um, occult books that are on my list. Um, we're actually going to be going through some of that around Halloween, not to freak anyone out, but we are going to talk about different things. Like King Solomon was literally manipulating demons. He's one of like the heroes of Christianity, yet he was literally controlling demons to get people to do what he wanted them to do. How do you think he had so many resources and built such a huge empire and temple? He was manipulating frequencies, electrostatic, uh, energies, to manipulate low consciousness people into doing exactly what he wanted. And I've not read the bail cycle. That one I have heard of once, but I need to put it on my list. Uh, consecrated spaces. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk a lot about ritual, lore, legend, stuff like that. Um, and some of the occult books around Halloween because spooky season, right? Um, if, if they're going to celebrate it and you're going to go out and you're going to watch every kid in the country, you know, wear masks that are literally honoring, you know, spirits from beyond. And at, again, at the least they're creating tulpas at the, the greatest, they're actually calling for spirits. So why not learn some of that technology and realize that we have authority over it because we are the literal single child of God, right? And if you realize you're player one, then you get to tell everything else in the game what to do. Just like uh, if you're playing The Legend of Zelda. Huge fan of that, by the way. In fact, my wife got me a music box that plays the Song of Storms. Where that is, I may go grab it. I'm going to grab it. You guys can watch me walk across the room. Because I know that's why you came to the live stream. So I can walk across the room. This my little Zelda. Yeah. 
So that's the Song of Storms. And, and I had to play that because we're talking about the Great Flood. We're talking about all the storm gods and the archetypes of those storm gods. I don't know why that's my favorite song. In the original game, or the Nintendo 64 game that I grew up on, you go into this uh, windmill in this little village and it's storming outside. And as soon as you walk in there, there's a guy cranking a crank and uh, he's this little imp looking guy. I think his name is Impy actually. Um, and he's cranking this crank and there's this big, you know, horn on it. it looks like a ram's horn or a shofar kind of thing playing the sound. Melissa, exactly. Yeah. Lo love some Zelda, right? Um, and so think about that. Like the, what's the storm God? What's happening in this? The song of storms, these sounds, these frequencies. Think about um, why did a dark cloud precede the Israelites? Why was the Red Sea parted? Everybody tries to get so esoteric with this stuff. The Red Sea represents the mind and a lot of them were redheaded and the hair parted. And, you know, I mean, you guys, we can get so left field with some of this stuff. And I'm not refuting because if, if none of this is historical, then that's the only logical explanation is the esoteric spiritual side of this. But I propose there's two narratives. This is my theory. This is the gospel according to Cub. Um, not saying it is uh, world history. I'm not saying it's scientific. I'm not saying it's anything other than my mythos. My mythos is that there are two narratives. You have alien gods, which are a lot like us, but they live a whole lot longer, like hundreds of thousands of years. They came down, they terraformed this planet because they were trying to save their own planet. And they created us, which is an archetype of the best of them and the best of monkeys. And we're literally stuck on this earth. We're not made to go fly among the stars like them. We literally have psychedelic visions when you get outside of the earth's atmosphere long enough. You, you talk to some of these astronauts that spend a lot of time on the space stations and, you know, they have like some psychosomatic effects of being up, uh, you know, up there weightless. Cause like your you, gravity is the thing that binds us here and it keeps us rooted in this reality. It's our electrostatic connection to mother Gaia. And that's what keeps us essentially sane here because we are the monkey on the planet yet we have the conscious intelligence and the potentiality of the gods, right? Like that's, that's been the greatest exploration that every poet and philosopher throughout history and even mathematicians have explored is why is it that these monkey creatures have all of these ideas and creations within them? And literally this fire from heaven is built within them. Um, and all we've thought about from the day we, we woke up and looked up at the sky and we realized that's where our gods came from that's all we've wanted to do is return because we know we feel we have this split uh, identity on this. We're home on earth, yet we know we're home in the stars. That's why every dreamer is laid back and grounded to the earth and the grass and looked up at the stars. And so what does all this have to do with the flood? Well, it has to do with ascension protocol, my friends, ascension protocol. So Anki warns Atrahasis, then Atrahasis builds an ark. Then he departs in the ark. And this ark was more like a saucer shaped. It was not the dimensions of the biblical ark. This is a different one. This is where some people say that um, you had gods all over 
um, all over the place in the cradle of civilization, warning their creations that a flood was coming and that there were actually a bunch of different arcs. And they were literally, they were not trying to save every animal on the planet. They were trying to save all the local wildlife so that they could re-establish their farms and continue to feed the gods. Because guess what? The gods didn't hunt, okay? They also knew there was karma in that. Um, and so as they decided that they like to eat these animals on this planet, they made us do the dirty work for them because we're already bound here to what's considered the lower realms, Sheol, here, Earth. Okay, that's what they don't tell you about when Jesus descended to Sheol. Um, I don't think he was going under the earth or anything like that. Uh, I think he was here with like he was fully in the 3D. He was at a very low vibration. And as he ascended, he became the 5D light body or as the Tibetan yogis call it, the rainbow light body. So I don't know that that's how all that makes sense to me. So uh, Frank says, I'm obsessed with this. Thank you, man. So mankind is punished now uh, as we come to the end here of the Epic of Atrahasis. And this wraps up our study in this, though it's not the last time we will read it. We will continue to go through this over and over and over. Um, and this says, Enki made ready to speak and said to, uh, to Nintu, the birth goddess, you, birth goddess, creatress of destinies, establish alignment for all peoples now then let there be a third woman among the people among the people are the women who is uh who has born and the women who has not born uh let there also be among the people the pasitu or the she demon let her snatch the baby from the lap who bore it and establish a uh, high priestess and priests, uh, let them be taboo, and so cut down childbirth. And so let them be celibate, and is what taboo means in this. So, and so cut down childbirth. So why why is this important? Because you're again in these mythologies, you're going to see some things that sound esoteric, but they're most likely literal. You're going to see some things that sound literal, but they're most likely esoteric. And so you have this here, the she-demon. There's not literally, you know, women coming and taking babies from other women uh, necessarily. This is more like uh, the feminine demoness, right, that is stealing life out of the babies when they're born. If they're not, you know, Darwin called it survival of the fittest. Um, if they're not fit for survival on this planet, they're not going to make it, right? And that's one of the cruel ironies we see on this planet. You have beautiful life born but if it's not hardened enough and strong enough, it won't survive. That's where motherhood comes in and nurturing and all those types of things. Um, and so this is a huge philosophical debate. We could go down forever. But so that's the end of that. And I want to just give a summary on the Epic of Atrahasis and, and why this is interesting. So I'll come to that. I'm going to grab a couple more questions here. We've got some great questions going on from Frank and Heather and uh, some good comments and stuff. So let me get that. Um, I want to get to those, by the way, if you guys are loving this, drop some stars, drop some hearts, stars on Facebook, super chats on YouTube, uh, TikTok. You can send lightnings, roses. We want to get to a thousand, a thousand gifts on TikTok. So right now, um, you can also go in on TikTok and select the TikTok logo. 
Um, and those are like one penny a piece. So if you drop me a hundred of them, that's a dollar. Uh, so go drop like a ton of those if you guys can. It'll really help the stream, help support what I'm doing. Thank you guys so much. Um, thank you, Dreamstar Oracle. Love it. Appreciate it. Y'all back the truck up. Follow, follow Dreamstar Oracle. That helps me every single day. I have a goal I have to meet every single day for me to keep showing up. And I need you guys to help do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Okay, so uh, we got some questions from Doc. So thank you guys. Thank you, uh, Frank. Thank you, Angel Appleseed. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, everybody uh, who donates. I appreciate that. Um, so one of the biggest things here, and uh, Frank had a really good comment here. Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, Frank, da, 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 where did it go? Do constellations impact our pole shifting? Does Earth flip, creating a massive flood? Um I don't know about literally about that. I know there's a lot of theories about that. Um, and I certainly see how that, you know, could cause quite a bit of, you know, mayhem on our planet. Right. Um, and you get a lot of debate around that. I try not to even touch that because I don't know any data to, to say either way. I mean, the, the idea of pole shifting, is it possible? Sounds like it, but I don't know. I don't know any scientific data behind that. What I do think is, I think it's highly probable that any of this stuff could happen, right? Our Earth can shift magnetically. Uh, you can have things like solar flares. You could have literal extraterrestrial gods melting ice with their beam technology. You could have um, a planet that simply, um, again, you know, you had some sort of asteroid event that broke up a bunch of ice and then downstream flooded out the valleys where this fertile crescent was right. Um, we don't know. Um, I think there's, I think from my research and I'm not saying this is scientific, but from what I've seen, I think there is evidence of a global, uh, flood type event or a, a time when the ice caps were melted a lot more and you had a whole lot of stuff. Thank you for the money shooter on TikTok. I love that. Um, there's, you know, I think there's a lot of evidence for that because, again, I'm up here in the high plains, literally the high plains of Texas. It's some of the highest place you can go in Texas uh, before you get up into New Mexico. And, um, you know, we find seashells here all the time. I mean, there's and then fossils and all kinds of stuff. So it makes sense that it had to have, you know, there's no water here now, but it had to have. Uh, a lot of water sitting on it at some point, or even a few feet of water. You know, if you think about the coastlines coming inland quite a bit. Um, and if all of this happened at once violently, um, this says a seven day flood. So, you know, think about an event that could have caused a dam to break upstream, basically an ice dam and, and let a whole lot of water flooding down into the lower valleys that eventually cleared off and went out to the seas. But of course, caused a lot of unalivement, right? And really limited the evolution of humanity. So what we, uh, yeah, uh, I am the family Collins as Bob Marley saying only the fittest shall survive, stay alive. And he was unalive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa says, thank you, Cub. Absolutely, my friend. So, um, Oh, link for TikTok. Yeah, you'll have it's just at Cub Cooker at C U B K U K E R. I'll put it 
So there's my TikTok handle. Uh, and this is my handle on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Spotify, everywhere. Just type in Cub Cooker. That's my official account. Uh, no spaces, no dots, nothing. That That's it. So anything with a dot or a number or a space or two U's or an A-R or, you know, where it's like K-U-K-A-R or E-E-R, people are just copying my account. There's literally, I counted over 100 accounts on TikTok that are Cove Cooker accounts. So don't, don't believe them. That's why I'm verified on Meta. I'm verified on Facebook and Instagram for your protection. So you know when you buy from my links, they're real. You know when you donate to my channel, it's the real channel. And that's uh, those are all really, really important things to me to protect our community. So big, big shout out to Meta for making verification doable for content creators. Um, I love the way they're doing it. Not everybody is buying into it, but for me, it protects my community. And I really appreciate that they're doing that. TikTok needs to learn a thing or two about that, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for sharing with Jeremy, Melissa. I appreciate that. Um, so with that said, and by the way, Jeremy, you can do stars on Facebook. They do the same thing as the gifts on TikTok. So appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for the support. So um, as I kind of wrap this up, and then we'll do story time and take some questions here. Um you have birth pains introduced, offspring, mortality, ritual celibacy. This is a really weird thing introduced even in the Bible after the flood is the idea of righteousness. And if you must breed, then, you know, take yourself wives only from these certain tribes. And there's like a lot of control going on with that, right? Uh, but then you have this idea of ritual celibacy happening especially within like the Roman Catholic church way later um, with priests and stuff. And that's still a huge tradition, even within other traditions. Uh, and that ritual celibacy to me is like, uh, why are we not doing the thing which helps us evolve and helps us populate a planet, which was our original destiny um, in the best way possible. Right. And I'm not saying go out there and go wild. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, amongst every religious tradition, there's this really weird stigma of what it means to procreate, what it means to love another individual, um, what it means to be in any kind of intimate relationship. And that's one of the things I value about my channel is we do fly the rainbow flag here. I'm wearing it every day. And whatever you view the rainbow as is fine. But for me, it represents equality for all people, okay? Doesn't represent a promise that a God that was a total jerk in the first place had to come and flood our planet and unalive his children so that he could rebuild. No, that's not what it represents to me. It represents equality for all walks of life, faith, race, religion, orientation, um, love and light. It's the spectrum of the rainbow. It's all of us. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. So Honeybee says, yes, with all the multicolored hearts. I love it. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Roy G. Biv. That's right, Frank. Absolutely. So uh, Dreamstar Oracle says, agree, just inclined to think that most of these theories are discarding the symbolic meanings of the myths. Uh, yes, yes. And so there's a ton of, of symbolic meaning in these myths, too. This is what I love about reality. Because I end up in a lot of debates with people that say, no, this is esoteric. This is all symbolic. And then I end up with people that are like, no, this is literal. That's what it says. 
and got you know it's not that i'm wishy-washy it's not that i'm lukewarm it's not that i don't have faith it's just why can't it be both like if you write a video game wouldn't you create literal events in the video game that are mnemonic devices for the narrative for the story to teach the main character lessons If you would do that as a programmer with a tiny little human brain, a little four pound brain, why wouldn't you do that if you are an infinite intelligence made up of every thought, every uh, electrostatic impulse in the universe, all acting as one neural network of mind, aka the mind of God? Why, why wouldn't you program it that way? Why does why? Is, why why do I have to be right and they have to be wrong and they have to be right and I have to be wrong? I don't understand that. So to me, if a literal flood happened and literal alien gods landed on the planet, are there not really esoteric, really symbolic things that me as player one can learn from these things and understand that a storm god bringing chaos on the planet and unaliving his creation is not a good archetype? For me to graft myself to and as i look at all of the different archetypes of the gods not one of them do i want to yoga or yoke myself to but then you have someone like jesus coming and saying follow him his burden is easy and his yoke is light his yoga is easy right and if you follow that then you understand that this is all mind you are player one and all of these things that happened IRL are still mind for you to understand the self. And so for me, I think it can be if, and, or, and, but, um, like all of them. Right. And I think that's a beautiful thing about when we start studying these mythologies, I like to look at what, if it really happened, does it work with our understanding? What if it didn't happen? How do we benefit from it spiritually? Um, as just a story, as just a teaching device. And then the third way, both. What if it literally happened? And what is the teaching device from it? So Heather says, me too, LOL. Awesome, awesome. It started with an imagination? Absolutely. Um, yeah, Frank, I'm using a passcode for infinite lives, LOL. I love it, I love it. Uh, yeah, just like those old school, like you plug the code in and like didn't matter how many times you went through you just recycled back into the game right we are all connected to gnosis or knowing through consciousness absolutely my friend um okay good good comments over here on facebook let's check out facebook for a little bit uh john 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 where did john where was john's first comment okay John says, I know the absolute secret of what's really been hidden from America and the world. It's biblical and almost time for it to happen. Uh, you know more than I do, man. So good for you. Um, it's planet Tiamat and it's biblical uh, that it's being hidden from America and the world. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know about all that, my friend, but here's the deal. According to the mythologies, Tiamat was destroyed. Tiamat was actually conquered by another god or another planet. In fact, we wouldn't have our planet. Uh, Tiamat is, if you look at the mythologies and you look at our modern understanding of the solar system, it would be the Kuiper Belt. It would be the planet that exploded to create the 
the Kuiper belt. So that's that's where that myth basically comes from. Now, probably what you're referring to um, is what's called Planet Nibiru. Now, Planet Nibiru has, has been uh, reported to be kind of a red dragon of a planet. Tiamat was the original dragon. There's also another beast planet that as it comes back around, pulls on our Earth. Uh, again, according to the mythology, I'm not saying this literally is going to happen. Could be a spiritual shift. Could be a consciousness shift. Could be a literal thing. You know, maybe it surprises all of us, right? Uh, but Nibiru, you know, was talked about as being kind of this this fiery giant, right? Um, as it would approach because of kind of the storm, the, the astral storm it would stir up. And then as it was really far away from our sun, it was a very cool, dark planet. It's very interesting. And that was part of why a lot of the Anunnaki jumped off when it was close to Earth, because it was getting very hot there, and Earth was actually a cooler climate at that time for them to go hide out on. So I don't know, you know, uh, that, that could be total, total woo-woo. Um, or maybe the mythologies hold some some information on things that are undiscovered yet. I don't know. Um, but it's sure fun to explore. Sure fun to explore. So uh, I am of the family says there is no agenda. Maybe stop looking at mythology and study what's all happening now. Uh, totally relevant, uh, and I respect your opinion, my friend. Absolutely. Um, so let's see. Ashley says, in response to that, but what about the source of the agendas? Uh, got the start from the beginning to fully understand. And I agree with you, Ashley, because if it literally happened and there's a message in it, uh, then you got to go back to the beginning of the story. I mean, why, why would you go pick up Game of Thrones and start on book five? Well, there's like seven books. Why are you going to start on book five or six? You know, towards the end. Well, I want to know what's going on in the 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 book that I that I feel like is relevant to me. No, go go back to the beginning, understand what happened from the first moment Ned Stark took out down a path, a snow-covered path with his son. To go watch what was going on i won't give it away and they begin to talk about the lore of the land and they saw the tree the tree that has red leaves all year and white bark and a face on it and understand the myth and the mythos that works through the entire narrative of game of thrones which i believe is an archetype and an allegory for our lives by the way by the way and if you do like this and, and you're in the camp of, hey, mythology is cool. Mythos is cool. Please consider joining as a Mythos member. It's not for me. It's for you. I can help more people and my community can help more people when we come together as one. And that is very, very apparent by all of our reviews, um, our entire community that shares within. We <laughs> There was an open meeting last night. I didn't even plan it. Our members scheduled a, a Zoom call last night within our community. And I uh, jumped on for, you know, 20 minutes, had, had an incredible conversation, guys. If you like this kind of thing, there's stuff going on all the time in my community. With that, you get our community app. Uh, it's a private community. It's a safe space to discuss this. It's still a family-friendly space. Um, so it's not like some spiritual communities where there's a lot of, you know, conspiracy stuff or anger or 
uh, got to be right about this. You know, it's a very open-minded exploration type community. Uh, so you get that. You also get the virtual meetups with that. There's Wednesday night virtual meetups with the community, all community driven with our moderators. And then I'm on every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And it's a great place to connect, guys. It's only seven bucks. And when I said on the 23rd, you better get in now because the 23rd prices change. Uh, everybody wants to know what's going to happen on the 23rd. I don't know about what's going to happen in the world, but I know what's going to happen on my website. And you have through the end of the day on the 23rd to get it at seven bucks if you want to get the Mythos Insider membership. And we have one check, one click checkout now. All you have to do is click there. Boom. You just click what you want and then check out. Um, you can pay through Google, Apple Pay, PayPal, credit card, debit card. Super easy. Most of you guys already have that set up on your phones. This is so easy. It's only seven bucks a month. Cancel anytime. You can drop down menu here to check out all the perks, private community, secret channel. I didn't even talk about the secret channel. You guys like my, my short videos and you want to learn more and you're like, hey, 60 second videos aren't enough. I do three minute videos over there going much deeper. I do a video every day over on the secret channel. It's updated daily. Sometimes I do several videos a day if I got a got a hot button going on, you know. So go check that out. Um, and then again, the, the virtual meetups are worth it anyway. So y'all go check it out. It supports what I'm doing. Everything directly supports my channel. If you like my work, um, don't skip out. Join it today huge rave reviews you can read reviews on it over there from real people i love what i do and i'm so thankful to every one of our mythos members for being a part of what i'm doing and helping me do this full time thank you guys thank you for the gifts on TikTok. by the way um i'm literally wearing a t-shirt right now pluto 1930 to 2006 never forget that is awesome ashley i love that i love that i remember where i was when Pluto was no longer a planet. It was, it was my favorite one. Um, but, you know, classifications, right? Um, Ashley says, I mean, you can start on book five if you want, uh, but you won't be pay, uh, won't be a playing character, just an extra. Exactly, exactly. So if you want to be player one, you've got to start at the beginning to understand the narrative. Because if you don't understand the narrative, then you can't be player one. You're just dropped into the middle of it, and ultimately, you're going to find a safe space to just hide out and be a non-player character, right? So, uh, Eris is to blame, LOL. Yeah, absolutely, Heather. Interesting that uh, Tay-Tay's new tour is called Eris, right? Interesting. Um, I won't even get into that. I don't even want to touch that. Too many, too many fans. Um, I'm not even going to get into that, so exactly heather heather says right um so anyway um yeah www.cubkuker.com for you guys on tiktok and instagram it's the link in bio over there same thing on facebook if you don't want to scan the qr code or you're on your phone click on my profile picture and then in my about section there is my official website so uh y'all go check that out Angela says, I'm a huge Taylor fan. Hey, no worries, my friend. No worries. I'm, I'm not against any Taylor fans. I did find it intriguing, though, that that was the name of her tour. So nothing against her. Just found it very intriguing that all of this seemingly tells the same story. And it's almost like everything is created for us 
to tell us something by the universe. And then if you take that one step further and go, is everything created by me for me? Pretty interesting. So I don't know, kind of a cool thought experiment. Try it. See where it gets you. You might find yourself in an alternate reality. Pretty interesting stuff, guys. So we got 10 minutes left on the live today. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about? What's what, what are y'all thinking about? What are you worried about? What are you hopeful about? What do you want to wrap this up about? Um, again, my the biggest thing that I wanted to make the connection here is you've got a biblical God in Genesis flooding the earth. You've got these Anunnaki gods in the Epic of Atrahasis. And then now you've got Book of Revelation that people have been quoting from ever since I was a kid, uh, that the end is nigh, the end is nigh. Why is it that, that these gods are always hell-bent on destroying that which they created? I don't destroy what I create. I want it to thrive, right? Angel Appleseed says, thoughts on Kabbalah. I've never really practiced it, but I, I know that the mysticism of it is um, has a lot of basis around similarities to the chakra system. Thank you, my friend who scanned. Um, hope you love the membership. Go check it out, and uh, I'll welcome you over there today. Uh, I do have a free gift for anybody that joins. The free gift ends, by the way. Uh, it's a copy of my audio book, my full audio book. You will love it. Uh, that free gift ends on the 23rd as well, so... Uh, everything points to simulation, perhaps. Ab absolutely. And Kabbalah is, here's the reason that Kabbalah is not something I resonated with. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with it. But for me, I, sorry about the connection on TikTok. I just saw it drop. So I'm back. Um, but we stayed connected to Facebook. Facebook win. There you go. Um, I didn't resonate with it because it was way confusing for me. Just put it out there. Kabbalah was way over my head. I was like, okay, too many points drawn in a two-dimensional shape, talking about a three-dimensional shape, and I didn't get it. So that's just me. Um, I like, uh, Alex says, how much for the carpet? Man, that's a real magic flying carpet. Um, it's priceless. So uh, that's why I have it tied down on the wall so it didn't fly away. Uh, no, I got that at World Market um, on sale. I think I paid a hundred bucks for that or something. They're normally like a couple of hundred bucks. So, love, love, love that carpet though. One of my favorite favorite things I have. Um, really ties the room together. If you're a Big Lebowski fan, you know that. So, Steven says I can't get the Zelda music out of my head now. I miss Oc Ocarina of Time. Yeah, let's do that again. So, just for the class. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Can I go? Come on. Am I going the wrong way? I think I'm going the wrong way. There we go. So there's the music, Stephen. Put your earworm in for tonight. Love that little music box. So yeah, the myths are worth it. The mythos is real. It's worth going down the rabbit hole, guys, I think. Um, I need more bases. I love 
those music boxes, great nostalgic gifts. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Michael Heiser, George W. Carey, and Gary Wayne are also the authors you should look into on this journey. Yes, and I love, you know, God rest his soul, Michael Heiser was one of my mentors for years. Uh, the more I've studied, I don't agree with all of his theories. Um, I think he was really bent on proving the biblical narrative in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that like Zachariah Sitchin has helped me kind of get outside of like the biblical worldview into more of a mythological worldview and look at some of these things. Steven says, thank you. Absolutely. You know, it's just for you, man, that, you know, just for you, um, to, to put the earworm back in. So guys, we're at almost 20,000 likes on TikTok. Thank you guys. Uh, drop some likes over here on Facebook as well. And YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and then we're our gifts. We still need some gifts over here on TikTok. So back the gift truck up, back the gift truck up on Facebook as well and on YouTube, whether you can do like a dollar or you can and look at the exchange rates like like stars are like a few cents, I think, you know, and, and there's different exchange rates of gifts on TikTok. So, um, you know, I'm not even interested in the, the money amount. I'm interested in the volume because it helps the content. Right. So like the stars help the content, the uh, the gifts on on TikTok, bleh, on TikTok, too many platforms. The gifts on TikTok help the algorithm to, you know, tell it that I'm doing a good job. So uh, whether it's lightning bolts or roses or whatever, you know, like dumping a bunch of those at once, like a hundred of them at once or something, big, big helpful to what I'm doing. So thank you guys for that. Uh, algorithm upgrade burst. Exactly, Kenny. Exactly. And that's what. You know, I'm trying to push the gifts now not to uh, be greedy um, and, and take everybody's money, but really just because, like, the gifts help show that I'm doing a good job and, and really help uh, bless the content. So, uh, yes, facepalm. Great comment, my friend. The overarching theme seems to be relating to the gods uh, that they're basically taxing reproduction. Uh, this implies that humans weren't meant to reproduce. Um, so... What and I, I don't want to read the rest of that because you know, um, and I understand what you're you're getting at. Of course, I support all different walks of life here, and I don't even think this is about reproduction. I think it has to do with the fact that it it was not controllable by their genetic standards. Okay, that that's what I think it has to do with. Thank you so much. Reverend S, oh my gosh, 238, 39, 40 uh tiktok uh logos with the music logo thank you my friend that is awesome love it uh that's that's what back in the truck up looks like thank you guys thank you thank you uh reverend space moss says i just dumped all my credits for you love your content thank you so much my friend i appreciate that uh that blesses me so much blesses the channel thank you guys um so with that said um, again, I think it was more about them going, Hey, you know, I wanted my plan to roll out and you had a bunch of different gods that had their plans rolling out because you got to understand this is a very sensitive subject. You start, they worked for, according to the mythologies and Zachariah Sitchin's work, hundreds of thousands of years on perfecting a human that would take orders, but be smart enough to survive and not take over the planet. Right. Uh, they wanted to do what they wanted to do with them, not let life have a chance, basically. Uh, they weren't interested in the universal algorithm balancing out 
life on this planet. They were interested in their plan unfolding. That's why they were called Masters of Destiny, right? Um, and that's in the text as well. So um, with that said, kind of the narrative, again, that I was sharing from the Epic of Antrahasis is the conditions immediately after creation, the lower gods have to work very hard and they start to complain. Then we have this revolt. There's basically a coup of the lower gods or the Ajiji or the Watcher Angels, okay? Negotiations happen with the great gods. The great gods, okay? So you have the great gods, the gods, um, and then the lower gods, okay? So the great gods are the planets. They're negotiating with these energies and they're basically... By negotiating, they're trying to figure out the algorithm. They're running the computation, like they're looking at the star charts. Then there's the creation of man, uh, or the proposal to create humans to relieve the lower gods from their labor, and then the creation of man. So you got to remember the gods and the lower gods uh, were in conversations. They're supposed to be working together, um, and the lower gods were just getting burnt out and unalived by doing this heavy labor. So they decided to create man, humanity. Um, and then man's noisy behavior, new complaints from the gods, the supreme god and Lil's decision to extinguish mankind by a great flood. Now, again, supreme lord there, um, because he was the lord of the command and lord of the earth. And then Anki was originally supposed to be lord of the earth. He was supposed to inherit the earth, but he became lord of the water and was sent out into the sea. Again, with the flood... That kind of is where that exchange happens there. So construction of the ark, boarding of the ark, uh, then they leave. Then you have the great flood. Then the gods are hungry because there are no farmers left to bring them sacrifices. Uh, they decide to, uh, Enki specifically decides to spare Atrahasis, even though he is a rebel. Uh, and that, that goes right in there with what Ashley said on, you know, Noah going on this big binge, basically, as soon as he lands. And then the regulations to cut down the noise. Uh, you've got everything that I just talked about. Birth pains, offspring mortality, ritual celibacy, all of these things to really, you know, curb the enthusiasm of humanity to continue to populate um with what was clearly a bunch of different designer lines of offspring of the gods. And uh, that's where I think the, the secret dark plan comes in here is why, you know, the sacrifices in the first place, just so weird that, you know, you're, you're making sacrifices. And then we, we translate that now into Jesus and all of this stuff. And then you get into magic. And, uh, but originally it's like, you're just feeding them. You know, you're just serving them, right? Um, and, and why, you know? I mean, because they created us, and then you got the serpent in the garden, or Anki. Anki was a serpent, by the way. And in uh, one of the Gnostic Gospels, Jesus says, I am that serpent. So think about that. Like, you have all these archetypes. What what archetype are you? And I think that's the, that's the esoteric. That's the the knowledge we can take home from all of this, if none of it ever happened, what archetype do you serve and what archetype are you going to become? So thank you, TikTok. Great job. You've been live for 90 minutes. Don't forget to take a break. Uh, I try to live stream every day until I get that message because that message push, it just pushes it out so much more and all the videos 
that I post get a whole lot more views, which is awesome. So, so that's Epic of Entrehasis. We made it through it. It only took us, what, six weeks to get through that one tiny little document. That's what we do here, though. We just plug through every piece of data, try to get through it, to understand it, top to bottom, bottom to top, all the way around. It's so important, guys. Designer lines. Yeah, exactly. Um, I knew we were Gucci. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa says, love the artwork, by the way. Thank you, my friend. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed it today. Um, let's see. Hey, Cub, is that available online? Yeah, Epic of Atrahasis. I was reading from, let's see, what was it? Um, da, 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 da. Uh, Livius.com um, was the only place I could find that. And then sacredtexts.com or org. I can't remember which one. Uh, let me look that up. Is where I read the other stuff from. Uh, like the Enuma Elish, stuff like that. The Book of Enoch. Yeah, the Enuma Elish and Book of Enoch are over at sacred-texts.com. So there's a lot of cool sources for this. But um, and in fact, I'll... Um, let me drop that link just so you guys can read the uh, Epic of Atrahasis because it's cool. And go support, you know, support the people that make the info available. Support me as a creator, but also go support the people that put the documents online. I don't have, the reason I do the, the fragments, there it is. Um, who was it that asked? Uh, Frank asked. I posted it on Facebook for you, Frank. So there you go. Uh, should be like the last part of the chat there. Um, you know, I do these in fragments because fair use laws, you know, I'm making commentary on it. I'm not just reading the document to you and regurgitating it. I'm reading it, interpreting it, explaining it, cross-referencing it. Uh, it's a creative work on its own. And so that's why I don't, some people are like, why don't you shut up and just read the, because I can't do that. A, and people that do that are eventually going to get nipped for it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, that's not the kind of channel I am. I have opinions and a knowledge base I want to share and explore. So, uh, Kenny says, uh, take a lunch after five hours of streaming. There are some friends of mine that stream for five hours on TikTok, And I don't know how they do it because an hour and a half of talking straight and I am exhausted, but I also like to distribute these as podcast episodes and a five-hour podcast episode nobody's going to listen to. And I can't be entertaining for five hours yet. Maybe I, maybe in the future I will. Uh, we appreciate you, Cub County Elephant says. It's all about the discussion. Honeybee says, yes, absolutely. Thank you for the heart, my friend. That is awesome. Uh, Co-mentoring is my life's work, Ashley says. Uh, I just have a job to keep the lights on for now. Absolutely. Uh, but more and more creators are going to be able to do it full time, guys. Um, that's what it's all about is serve the audience. Love the people who are in your community. I do it every day. I love what I do. I'm thankful that I get to do this. I do not take it for granted. I appreciate everything you guys give me, every tip you give me on the platforms, every member that joins you guys that joined today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is so important to me that you guys know how much I appreciate you. Uh, I'm not here to sell you. Uh, the secret to life, but I am here to offer an opportunity to continue making great content that provokes your thoughts, your heart, your mind, your spirit um, around the supernatural subjects we all love, and then ultimately serve our community even deeper behind the scenes 
over in the private side of everything. So thank you guys for that. That's beautiful. I'm a full-time student that scrapes by right now, LOL. Uh, Heather says to Dreamstar Oracle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you guys go check out Ashley's work. Check out um, Honeybee's work. Check out Frank Lee's work. we got a lot of creators in our community here. Um, and so, and I'm going to be collaborating with more of the creators in our community too. So you can see even more of them, which is really cool. So, um, anyway, y'all have a beautiful day. I love you all. Have a, have an awesome afternoon. Thank you for the support. Uh, you can comment at any point after this, you know, even if you're listening on the podcast, you can comment. So, uh, you guys have a beautiful afternoon. Love you. God bless you. Namaste and peace.